You're gonna need a bigger boat. No. I am your father. I'm gonna make him an offer, Captain. Life was like a box of chocolates. Wax on, wax off. I see dead people. Here's Johnny. He's a liar. You can't handle the truth. Good morning, Vietnam. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Get away from her, you bitch. And you will know my name is the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon Cinematic Leaves. Hi and welcome to Cinematic Leap, a movie podcast where we apply six degrees of Kevin Bacon style process to select our next movie. Each week we'll watch a movie, provide our review, then take a cinematic leap by selecting an actor, director, crew member from this pod's movie to choose our next movie. As always, I'm joined by my two wonderful co-hosts, Michael Thompson. Don't you hate that? <laughs> and Glenn Greening. Un- uncomfortable silences. Ah, gotcha, <laughs> gotcha. Sorry, angling, greeting. The spider just caught a couple of flies. <laughs> These are teas. I've gone to for some random quotes this time. Well played. Well, that, was a, that was a good one. Oh, oh do you want me to do Ezekiel twenty-five seventeen, whatever it is? I mean, oh, we'll be here yeah, all day. Do it. It's, it's <laughs> superb, though. No, I probably, I probably have used that in the uh, in the uh, trail of the. The opener, so yeah, don't use let, that. let's not use oh, that. Really? It goes for like 30 mm. seconds. That's no, fine. Use part of it. Such a good line. It's that whole, anyway, we'll get to that. How are we, gentlemen? Well, yeah, good. All going well? Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Very good. Very good. All right, tonight we are talking about Pulp Fiction, the 1994 crime film that was written and directed by Quentin Tarantino from a story he conceived with Roger Avery. Stars John Travolta, Samuel L. Jackson and Bruce Willis. Co-stars Tim Roth, Ving Rhames and Uma Thurman. And I did cut that down because there's a heap of very good people. Harvey Keitel. Harvey Keitel, yeah. Steve Steve Buscemi, yeah. Um, Christopher Walken. He's There's there's heaps. It's an important moment for me. I like, you know, it's like, that's Steve. <laughs> I know him. Uh, He's actually really good in miracle workers and, and a couple other things. So I've always been a fan of Steve Buscemi. Hmm. Buscemi, 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 Buscemi. I don't know. All right, this movie had a budget of eight to eight and a half million, made two hundred thirteen point nine million. So did all five right. million. Five of that eight million was the actors. Yes. Mm. Yeah. So, which we can probably get into later, or maybe we'll talk about it now. It's incredible how he shot this movie so cheaply. Because I think Jackrabbit Slim's cost like one hundred and fifty thousand to build. That was on the. Was it a was it a soundstage? Yeah, yeah. Mm. It was in um. Or was it no? Was it not Disney? Was it a Disney Studios or something like that? I think. Yeah. It was a mm. the, the producer he approached with this? It, it was always going to be low budget, like much yeah. lower than that. But um, it just blew up. <laughs> oh, mm. I guess when, I mean, yeah, I th- Reservoir Dogs got a lot of money from that. Yeah. So. I- could, there were things that sort of told me that like that sort of spoke to it being low budget though. Like um, uh, certainly there's kind of I thought some of the sound recording was like it it wasn't as clear as like a a, a better film would be like or not a better film but like a, a bigger budget film would be. Um, so it's like oh, there's a lot of reverb or like you know does not the sound wasn't well recorded in some spaces. Yeah. So, but yeah. somehow it seems to work for this movie. Like I think the low budget thing does work 
for it. I think it actually works in its favour in some ways. Just maybe, I, maybe. I just think it's basic. <laughs> like it's the you know these are yeah you know, it's just a crime. Essentially, it's a crime film. You know, we're sort of in the back lots of LA and places like that. So I don't know. I just think it worked. Mm. Um, now I'm not going to go. Look, reception for this movie was huge, um, and largely right across the board. IMDb has an average rating of 8.9, Metacritic 9.5 with a user score of 9, and Rotten Tomatoes 9.2 with a user score of 9.6. And the critical consensus reads, one of the most influential movies of the 90s and is a delirious postmodern mix of neo-noir thrills, black humour and pop culture touchstones. Uh, obviously did have some controversy around it, uh, including the amount of violence, language, and the regular use of the word nigger used 18 times. Mm. Um, That's more than the amount of people killed in the film. Yeah, yeah. I wonder how many of those were by Samuel L. It's and not really that violent. No, it's not. No, <laughs> no, and that's it's funny. I, that was one of my notable aspects, but we can talk about it now. You don't actually see a lot of violence on screen. Like you see, no, you see Jules and Vincent um, shoot Brad, but you actually see it from their point of view as they're shooting. You don't see Brad get blown away. You do later on in the like the film, like you do actually see him when uh, it's probably the guy bursts out. So in a later scene, it kind of comes yeah. out. But yeah. for a film that was you know controversial for the amount of violence, I don't think there's a lot of violence. You don't see in the adrenaline scene. You don't see you actually get stabbed. Um, hmm. The only time you really see someone get shot is is Vincent when he's on the to- coming out of the bathroom. Yeah, yeah, shot in the chest yeah. with the um, the Mac Ten. Even Marvin, you don't actually see his head explode. You just see a heap of blood yeah, go on the gun. screen. So, yeah, I um, think it's shot outside the car. That part isn't it? Like you see the like the just the blood and stuff kind of explode out into the the car. I don't have to read. Yeah, watch that part. Yeah, I can't remember. Mm. It's a great scene, though. Uh, now, this one, the Palme d'Or at the 1994 Cannes Film Festival. It was nominated for a shitload of awards, including Best Picture at the, and I don't even know half of these awards are, but anyway, the National Society of Film Critics, National Board of Review, Los Angeles Film Critics Association, Boston Society of Film Critics, Society of Texas Film Critics, Southeastern Film Critics Association and the Kansas City Film Critics Circle. Tarantino was also named Best Director by all seven of those organisations, as well as by the New York Film Critics Circle and the Chicago Film Critics Association. Now, are they wins or nominations? Uh, nominated. Did he any wins? Uh, the screenplay won several prizes. Uh, I'm not sure, actually. Oh, sorry, he was named Best Director. So I would assume that means that he was. Mm. But he won, but the film may not have... Uh, the screenplay won several prizes with various award, awarding bodies ascribing credit differently. At the 52nd Golden Globe Awards, Tarantino was named as the sole recipient of the best screenplay, uh, and he failed to mention Avery in his acceptance speech. Oh, yeah. that's dubious, isn't <laughs> yeah, it? That's probably a little dodgy. Uh, it was nominated for seven Academy Awards, which I didn't actually realise until I did the research here. Uh, it was nominated for Best Picture. Best Director, Best Actor, John Travolta. Best Supporting Actor, Samuel L. Jackson. Best Supporting Actress, Uma Thurman. Original Screenplay and Film Editing um, with uh, Tarantino and Avery winning for the Best Screenplay. Uh, So it lost out to Forrest Gump for Best Picture, 
Which I reckon if you go, roughly so. Yeah, I reckon if you go back, this is a much better film. Well, I mean, Shawshank would have been well, sure, yeah, the same boat. Well, that yeah, was it was no. also up against Four Weddings and a Funeral Quiz Show, which I don't think I've actually seen, and Shawshank Redemption, which is an extremely good film. Yeah. Um, he lost out for best director to Robert Zemeckis for Forrest Gump. Travolta lost to mm. Tom Hanks. So Forrest Gump kind of screwed this. Probably a bad year for Pulp Fiction in some way. Samuel yeah, should have waited, waited, released it earlier in 1993. Mm. Um, Samuel L. Jackson lost out to Martin Landau in Edward, which I've never seen, and Uma Thurman lost to Diane Weist in Bullets Over Broadway, which is, again, another movie I have not seen. Never heard of. No, and probably never going to watch them. <laughs> um, well, you never know. We could leap there. Well, you never know, Michael. Yeah. Uh, so I I picked The Leaper, uh, who was... I've got to find one here. <laughs> I've got to find... One of my favourite sound guys, Stephen Hunter. Editor, was it? No, oh, Stephen Hunter Flick, um, which was a controversial pick because we are trying to limit the random. Uh, no, I think we just eliminated uncredited. That's it. it. That's the no. only rule change. Oh, we're not. We're, that's not. No, if, if we're doing uncredited, we're also doing random people who make the food and, and stuff like that. <laughs> Catering is an important job on films. <laughs> I didn't film, say it was an important job. Not. I just said anyway. we the creative uh, skills of a, of a person. So um, I chose Stephen Hunter Flick because I knew Glenn was choosing the movie and I knew we hadn't gone to Tarantino and Stephen Hunter Flick had done uh, several Tarantino films, but he also did a few other good uh, films that I would have liked to have gone to. So I thought I'll throw the option to Glenn and I, I had a feeling that we may end up down this path. So... Um, and now we're then, in Tarantino. Hopefully, we can um, pick the editor or the uh, writer or director and, and see another good movie. Yes, that'd be yeah. nice. Well, hey, look, look, I've got to admit something. Um, I'm not a Tarantino fan. Oh, I thought you were going to admit that you actually enjoyed this movie when you watched it. Oh no, time. that that didn't happen. Um, yeah, I think he's overrated as Weird. a director oh. and creative. Yeah, like he's got some good ones. Like I really, I did enjoy Inglorious Bastards and and Django Unchained. Mm. But, um, yeah, a lot of his other films, it's just like, yeah. And um, this is one of them. Oh, oh here we go. <laughs> Glenn, why did you choose Pulp Fiction? Um, because it's universally acknowledged as one of the best films um, ever. Mm. <laughs> Except for yeah, I might be Look, I might be wrong in here, but I'm sticking to my guns. Okay, that's <laughs> all right, Michael. That's what we're here for. No, I, I just said that to annoy Michael, but for for real, um, I just... <laughs> yeah, no, look, look, I mean, you're probably right, because, like, all the, the things that Scott said at the start, like, is eights and nines, I think, jeez. I mean, you know, that's a lot of kind of people saying good things about it. Go, Am I the asshole here? Pretty much. Probably. Uh, but, go yeah. onto Wikipedia and you look at the critical response, the influence and legacies, and now critical analysis... Um, there's just a heap. It's probably the most I've actually ever seen from a movie uh, on Wikipedia from what I can remember. So, yeah, there's just this movie did create – well, it was a huge movie at the time and I think it did change a lot of Hollywood at the time. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael, you had seen this before? I had once. How long ago? Probably 1994. <laughs> when you were underage for it. <laughs> mm, I, mean, I must have been later. Oh, maybe you um, were. No, you were eighteen. Yeah, no, eighteen and ninety-five. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Don't know. Like definitely in the nineties. Maybe when I was at university, though. Yeah. And what were your thoughts when Glenn chose it? 
It's like, I mean, yeah, it's like, oh, do we have to do this one? But, you know, it's done now. Um, you know, and I don't have to come back to it. So, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I was pretty happy when Glenn chose this. I've always enjoyed this movie. Um, I, I don't reckon I've watched it for well, several years, three or four years. Um, so I was looking forward to giving it another rewatch. I guess to, I guess, you know, you sort of look at it maybe a bit more critical you know, nowadays when you're on a podcast. So uh, it was, I thought, oh, this would be a good opportunity to go back and watch it and maybe cast a bit more of a critical eye over it and see what I thought. So, yeah. I haven't right. watched this in well over 10 years. You yeah, know, maybe 15. I haven't watched this in ages. Like my Blu-ray wasn't oh, I beat open. Mine <laughs> is closer to 25, so yeah. <laughs> 25 years. It's, it's funny. Glenn, I reckon you introduced me to Tarantino. You were a big fan of him back in your – I reckon yes. it would have been like, – this would have been late high school for us, wouldn't it? Uh, year 11? Uh, I, I didn't watch any of these mm. movies until after school, high school. Um, I didn't see Reservoir Dogs until after high school or, or Pulp Fiction. Yeah, it would have been then. Yeah, I reckon. So, yeah. I, reckon I swear nah. we watched it in high school. No, nah, I didn't. No. I remember Reservoir Dogs was on at a party one time and I saw a couple of scenes and I was like, eh, looks boring. It's all in the one spot. And I yeah. didn't think much of it. And then I watched, went back to it much late, like a couple of years later. Yeah, maybe that's where, <laughs> maybe that's where I saw it at a party. But, um, yeah, I reckon you guys probably introduced me more to, to Tarantino than anyone else. Um, anyway, without further ado, Michael, throw to the trailer.
All right. As always, people, there will be spoilers. Glenn, you're getting to do the synopsis. Uh, so if you do not want the movie ruined for you, uh, please pause our pod, go and watch the movie. It's a little long, not going to lie. It's a two and a half hour epic. Uh, but then mm. come back to our and listen to our scintillating review, which will be a lot shorter than two and a half hours. Glenn, can you do me a favour and put it in chronological audio? <laughs> I could. <laughs> if you'd given me notice, I could have just, yeah. No, no, you might as well. Do it in the thing. It'd be interesting to watch, talking about that, it'd be interesting to watch it in chronological order and see if it actually changes the film a lot. Obviously, I, um, it will change the film a lot. I, get I have a question on that very topic later. Okay. Yeah. Well, I actually haven't... Uh, the synopsis I got off Wikipedia, as I do, and um, I did have a quick look at it, and the first part of the synopsis was, this film is written, you know, it just goes through what order it's written in and what, you know, story four, then story one, then story three A. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And anyway, I just passed all that bit and I'll read out the actual story, right. <laughs> the actual plot. And um, I haven't proofread it, so if I miss or something, just jump in. Um, Hitman, Jules, Hitman, Jules and Winfield and Vincent Vega arrive at an apartment to retrieve a briefcase for their boss. We see we've already missed the opening scene. Well, you've missed the, the cafe scene. Tim, yeah. With, Tim with Honey Bunny and Pumpkin. So come on, yeah. Wikipedia. I know, <laughs> I know, we haven't, I know, we haven't donated yet, but come on. Yeah, so this is why sometimes I go outside of Wikipedia. I um, I go to the sometimes the fan sites, ah. um, and then go, wow, this is long. <clears throat> Let's cut that down. <laughs> Let's go back to Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I need to yeah. actually go for the big fan ones, and then go, hey, Chat GPT, can you just cut this down a touch, <laughs> like? <laughs> Um, yeah, because it's rubbish actually, at actually coming up with its own synopsis. It actually starts mm. at the cafe, at the restaurant or cafe or whatever it is with um, mm. Honey Bunny. And, and Pumpkin um, Restaurant. And uh, they just, they have a long conversation about robbing places and how no one ever does this. This is such a great idea. We're so great. Um, let's rob them and take everyone's wallets. And then they, you know, do a robbery and then the cool music starts, um, mm. which we come back to later. Um, so yeah, Hitman, uh, Samuel Jackson and John Travolta arrive in an apartment to retrieve a briefcase for their boss, gangster Marcellus Wallace, um, from basically a bunch of kids in this apartment. Um, after Vincent checks the contents of the briefcase, Jules shoots one of Brett's associates. He declaims a passage from the Bible and he and Vincent kill Brett for trying to double cross Marcellus. Another man bursts out of the bathroom and fires at them, but every shot misses. I thought that was later. After briefly checking yeah, himself. Yeah, that is. Hmm. That was way later. Yeah. Well, Unless I'm doing it is Wikipedia order. doing it in. <laughs> maybe Wikipedia is <laughs> doing it in chronological order. Hmm. Oh, hang on. It is. Yeah. Oh, shit. Let's just see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Well, um, I mean, here's the thing, right? Like, oh, the, wow, you, you say the dub, they, they're going to double cross uh, Marcellus, and it's like we don't even know. They basically, and like the weird thing is, like, you know, it's like, oh, it's not time yet. We'll wait until seven thirty. It's like, do they? Is that they're giving them a chance to go? Hey, we've got the case. I mean, I don't know what's going on with the case. No, Maybe they already had. The they're already supposed to have delivered it and hadn't. Or yeah. Well, Marvin mm. was in there, so Marvin's their man on the inside. So yeah. and he'd said come at ten o'clock. Oh. From what I from what I can gather. Right. So that's why. 
And I do, I actually, we'll talk about this and we'll, we'll talk about it later on, I guess, more with notable aspects. But I do like that part where the, I love the conversation in the car. And I think this really does kickstart even the conversation in the cafe with, with um, Honey Bunny and Pumpkin. Like, I just think the dialogue in this is so good and it kicks out from the start. You know, they're talking about, you know, robbing banks and that you can, a guy walked in and robbed a bank with a mobile phone and she goes, what, do you want to rob banks? And he goes, no, 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 I'm just saying how easy it is because they're, they're not going to try and stop you. Whereas liquor stores, you're more likely. And it's it's just, I really like that conversation. And then they sort of, then he goes, what about cafes or restaurants? You know, so I just, yeah, I just think it's that. And then we get the conversation in the car with Jules and Vincent. You know, they're talking about, you know, uh, Vincent's time in Europe and, you know, just basic stuff like what a quarter pounder with cheese is called in France and that they have mayonnaise on chips. And it's just random inane conversation, which is what you would get in any normal situation. But this is in a movie and you're watching it and you go, oh, that, yeah, you're sort of – and a lot of the conversations that they do have actually tie, tie back in later into the movie as well. So mm, It's yeah. actually um – Funny, I was watching it this time, and it's been a long time since I watched it, and I was watching the dialogue and the shots and all that, and I was just watching it, and I was thinking, this is very film school. Like, this is the sort of stuff a film student would make. I could imagine watching this made by a university student yep. when I was there. But then I thought to myself, oh, that's because this came out right before I went to uni, and it influenced a lot of people. And so when I was at uni- Yeah, that's possible. A yeah. Lot, and same with and Kevin Smith, I think, is part of this. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and it influenced my writing a lot of my writing of dialogue and my a lot of things I did and a lot of things other people did that I worked on and it was all the snappy you know dialogue you know but real but snappy you know very, very and nice. so and so I was like I think I'm wrong I think this actually influenced a lot of the and it is film school now because they it influenced a lot of people um, yeah which yeah anyway that's just something I yeah. noticed I actually um, find the I don't know like I guess and this was probably true of the time too. I was looking, you know, it's. I found it inane. Like it's just kind of, you know, they're just talking about stuff, and it's like, oh, what are, you know, I'm, I'm watching a movie to get out of the world. Well, I don't watch a film to kind of, you know, that kind of just keeps you back in talking about, eh, people and their baggage. It's kind of dramas for me. That's how I feel. But it's not. It's not talking about baggage. They're talking about foot massages, and they're talking about quarter pounders and what they're called in France and how you can get a beer in a cinema over in in Europe like yeah. it's it's just conversation you can get a beer in a cinema in Australia too well you can now but not mm, back then yeah. 1994 <laughs> no <laughs> mm. anyway come so, on Glenn anyway I've skipped ahead um, so I've got to just scroll scroll around and try to remember <laughs> the order um, so mm -hmm. they take the briefcase to Mar Marcellus and wait while he bribes bo um, boxer Butch Coolidge to take a dive in his upcoming match um, the next day, Vincent purchases heroin from his drug de dealer, Lance. He shoots up and drives to meet Marcellus's trophy wife, Mia, having agreed to escort her while Marcellus is out of town. They eat at Jack Rab Jackrabbit Slim's, a 1950s-themed restaurant, and participate in a twist contest, then return home. While Vincent is in the bathroom, which he does a lot in this movie... Um, there's a, there's actually a reason for that, because he's a heroin addict, and apparently heroin... Um, uh, backs you up, basically, and that's why he does go. And it's actually quite well. It's actually legitimate, and that yeah, it does make you go to the toilet a lot. Yeah, <laughs> to get constipated on it. Um, while Vincent is in the bathroom, Mia finds his heroin and snorts it, mistaking it for cocaine. She suffers an over overdose. Vincent 
Vincent rushes her to Lance's house, where they revive her with an injection of adrenaline into her heart. Played by Eric Stoltz. Mm. Mm. The- Failed Back to the Future Boy. Yes. <laughs> um, he was, he was much better than He was really good. Um, Vincent drops Mia off at her home, and the two agree never to tell Marcellus about the incident. It never happened. <laughs> um, I... Hopefully, I'm still in order. Butch, yeah, no, you're uh, doing good. We go on to Butch. No, actually, we're going to uh, Butch is giving a watch. Was that by, whole uh, dance thing that we missed? Yeah, they, they, they did. We did talk, thing. which is a fantastic scene. The dance scene. I, yes. I, I don't know. I enjoyed it. And they also had a milkshake. Um, mm, a five dollar yeah, shake. They predicted probably, how expensive milkshakes would come. Well, that's still reasonable yeah, now. That's, yeah, it's like probably a five dollar like shake. Probably big a deal nine dollar milkshake. Big deal about the five dollar shake, and I was like, "That'd be awesome, five dollar shake." Mm. Love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do. I um, like it when they're at the when they go to the drug dealer, and he, and they're sort of like talking about the drugs, like it's like they're they're looking at bottles of wine, or they're they're you know trying out different bits of meat or something. Like it's oh yeah, yeah, this one's really good, and this one's good, but if you this one's got a lot more expensive, but this one is well and truly worth it. And I just yeah, it's just an interesting. Yeah. There he is. He's a guy's just walking around. He's cool. He's calm. He's just in a dressing gown. He's like the dude. <laughs> it's just great. Apparently, John Travolta had to. He was like, "I've never had heroin. You know, I don't know what it feels like to have heroin." So he he researched how to how it feels so he could he could play it. Um, was it? Was it? Yeah, he researched how how it felt. Well, he interviewed people and talked to people. Research. And someone said, "Yeah, I was about to say that." Any research. No, someone told him. Um, someone told him, it's like getting really, really wasted on tequila and then laying down in a hot pool. And so him, and he told his wife, "This is what I have to do this for work. I'm sorry." And he just got all the tequila shots lined up across the near the hot tub there, and just like take it all these shots of tequila, apparently, just to you know get in the character. That <laughs> <laughs> uh, sounds like that sounds how it sounds like how I prepare for most podcasts. So that's good. <laughs> Um, uh, Butch gets given a watch, by the way, as well, um, when he's a kid. Yeah, uh, Bruce flashback Willis. scene. Yeah. Uh, Christopher Walken gives him a watch with a nice backstory. Particularly the earliest chronological scene, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. This is a yes, phenomenal he, monologue by treasures, Yes, and so he rightly treasures this watch that has gone through generations of his family. Um, was kept up. Watch been stuck up his ass. It was kept up two blokes' asses for seven years. Yeah, and he died of when dysentery. He like, imagine that. He's got dysentery. He's got a watch up his ass. Anyway, when he, he died, when he handed the watch over. I, I, I thought the kid would just make it, you know, make a face like ill, you know. But he was like, yeah. you know, just took it. Um, anyway, Butch, the adult Butch Bruce Willis, um, bets the bribe money on himself um, and double crosses Marcellus. Uh, he wins wins the fight but accidentally kills his opponent as well. Uh, he jumps out straight out the window and get, jumps in a taxi um, and gets driven to his girlfriend. And the interesting thing about this taxi ride was the... I hadn't noticed it before, but how it's all black and white outside the taxi, like the whole street behind and out the windows is all black and white, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, I just um, thought it looked really fake. <laughs> Like it just looked yeah, like, it's like a movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Except it was mm. sweet. It was black and white. It's just like no color at all. Um, haven't never noticed that before. Um, so knowing that Marcellus will send hitmen after him, he prepares to flee with his girlfriend, um, but discovers that she has forgotten to pack the gold watch um, that was passed. The ass watch. Mm. The gold ass watch. 
<laughs> he goes. He returns to his apartment to retrieve it, which, you know, I mean, yeah, it's an important watch, but, oh, man, this is risky. Um, it is. I think he would have just had it in his bag the whole time himself, like if it was that. Mm, yeah. Yeah, why would you leave your watch behind? But he did tell Fabian to wear exactly where it was and to make sure mm. that she got it. Um, he's a, he's, yeah, he's a bit of a domestic anyway. abuser, isn't he? He, oh, yeah, he notices the TV. a... <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> yeah, that's domestic abuse, Scott. Oh, yeah, true. But, <laughs> yes. He notices a gun on the kitchen counter and hears the toilet flush. Uh, so when Vincent exits the bathroom, Butch shoots him dead and departs. Uh, when Marcellus spots Butch stopped at a traffic light, Butch rams his car into him and then gets hit by an oncoming vehicle, leaving both of them injured, injured and dazed. Once Marcellus regains consciousness, <laughs> um, this is this is this actually happened to me one time when I got punched in the face and um, at school. <laughs> and um, was it by Scott? No, no, no. no. <laughs> no. This isn't when my he broke my collarbone. This is ah, the collarbone. Yes, yeah. of course. Um, no, this was in year nine anyway. Someone punched me in the face and then the next thing I know, I'm lying on the ground and I can hear voices going, is he dead? Is he dead? Just like in this movie. And I opened my eyes and there's all these people around me and it was just like that shot in the movie. I was like, oh, anyway. Did um, you get up like Marce- Marcellus did? Start yeah, shooting I got, people? I got straight up. I got straight up. Yep. I was fine. Um, uh, he starts shooting at Butch <laughs> randomly, just shooting. He just shoots just, some girl. Hits random people. Um, and he chases him into a porn shop. Not, uh, not a porno shop, is it? Yeah, porn? it's a yeah, it's a porn yeah. shop. Like a yeah, <laughs> like you're selling your uh, stuff. Well, it could also be a porn shop. But yeah, well, well, they do have a gimp. Mm. <laughs> they, the spider caught two flies at this point. Um, yeah, Butch, ga- Butch gains the upper hand and is about to shoot Marcellus, but the shop owner Maynard captures them at gunpoint and binds them and gags them in the basement. Uh, Maynard and his accomplice Zed take Marcellus into another room and begin to rape him, leaving the gimp a silent figure in a bondage suit to watch over Butch. Uh, Butch breaks loose and knocks the gimp unconscious. Instead of fleeing, he decides to save Marcellus and arms himself with a katana from the pawn shop. He, I think a baseball bat would have been smarter um, out of all the weapons he had a look at. Now, because no, katana could kill Tarantino, though. Yeah. Wasn't. Well, katana mm. could kill. Like it can kill with one swing, whereas a baseball bat you'd have to hit a few times. It's not al- not actually a cantata. It is something else. Oh, I had it before. I'll find it again. Oh. Yeah. Wikipedia. Wikipedia's never been wrong though. No. Surely. Um, <laughs> he kills Maynard and frees Marcel- Marcellus, who shoots Zed in the crotch with Maynard's shotgun. Uh, Marcellus informs Butch that they are even and to tell no one about the rape and to depart Los Angeles forever. Butch picks up uh, his girlfriend on Zed's motorcycle and they ride away. Zed's dead, baby. Zed's dead. Oh. All right, now let's go back to where I was. <laughs> Putting this back in. All right. right. So, back at the briefcase scene, another man bursts out of the bathroom and fires shots at them, but every shot misses. Um, after briefly checking themselves for wounds, Jules and Vincent shoot him dead. Uh, while driving away with Marvin, Jewel professes that their survival was a miracle, which Vincent disputes. Vincent <laughs> accidentally fatally shoots Marvin in the face and covering Vincent, Jules and the car interior in blood in broad daylight. They hide the car at the home of Jules's friend, Jimmy, 
who demands they deal with the problem before his wife Bonnie comes home. Uh, Marcellus sends a cleaner, well, Winston Wolf, who directs mm. Jules and Vincent to clean the car, hide the body in the trunk, dispose of their bloody clothes, and take the car to a junkyard. Um, which all goes to plan, except the body in the car has a face. But anyway, <clears> that <throat> apparently got shot. Um, at a diner, Jules tells Vincent that he plans to retire from his life of crime, convinced that their miraculous miraculous survival at the apartment was a sign of divine intervention. Um, when Vincent is in the bathroom, a couple, Pumpkin and Honey Bunny, hold up the restaurant and demand Marcellus's briefcase. Jules distracts Pumpkin with its contents and then overpowers him and holds him at gunpoint. Honey Bunny becomes hysterical and points her gun at Jules. Vincent returns with his gun aimed at her, but Jules diffuses the situation. He recites the biblical passage, expresses ambivalence about his life of crime, and allows the robbers to take his cash and leave. Jules and Vincent leave the diner with the briefcase in hand. I believe that's the end. In yeah. movie. Yeah. Yeah. We missed the whole bit where the chopper. No. Yeah, that's when... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah that part. Sorry. That's Zed's it's hard, to, that's Zed's it's hard to kind of really keep that straight because it's non-linear. Mm. And the, the end is really where he rides off on the chopper. Correct. <laughs> but in this, it's when Jules and Vincent leave the restaurant. Yeah. All right, end film. Nice work, Glenn. After, whew, ran into a bit, of a bit of a problem there, but you did well. <laughs> All right, we'll go through our... Uh, yeah, we'll go through the cast and characters. Uh, all right, so John Travolta, thoughts? Um, this restarted know, his it, career. This movie, indeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he was, probably is in a couple of not you know Big look who's talking and I don't know when was look who's talking years before this, um, but yeah, he was he wasn't doing much great work before this. Um, no. I think he was almost seen as basically um, Washed up. cinema poison. Like everything he seemed to go into didn't go that well. Mm. And then he did it again with um, Better Field Earth. Um, <laughs> I really like yeah, him. I, I love good. him in this. Yeah. I, think he's a, I think he's a great character. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I found it hard to engage with him. I don't know. There's, I think actually really watching him in the... Um, in the diner scene, like when he's there at the Slim and Rabbit show thing, the Elvis place. Yeah. Um, and look, he did a, did a great job of the, like, being stoned off his gourd. Mm. Um, but it was just, it was just a bit dull. Like, he's like, you know, I didn't really kind of find a lot in his performance that kind of, like, to, to link up with. Yeah. But, you know. He we was very relaxed. <laughs> he was a very relaxed, relaxed sort of character. He t- took mm. things very serious things they're doing, but he just took it real easy. He wasn't scared, or I'd be freaking out if I was taking this guy's wife out. You know uh, that I was going to do something wrong. You know, but he just seemed really calm and relaxed. Um, yeah, and I thought mm. he was good. Um, well, it's because he was he was high on heroin. Yeah, that's, that's super that's high right. on heroin. <laughs> and the one the one moment that I thought was out of character for him was when that wolf guy was helping them, and he was like, "Please would be nice," which was like, "Dude, this guy, he's he's helping you out. Like, 
don't mm. just yeah i thought that was a bit you that's yeah, the only the moment, yeah. but that's not his fault that's the script but um well i think yeah. well jules kept saying to me he goes mate just don't cock this up like you know jimmy's volatile just yeah, keep your head down. Don't stuff this up. And then when he when he says that to the wolf, to uh, yeah, Winston <laughs> Wolf, it's like oh no. Yeah. But um, yeah, the wolf uh, handled it beautifully. I thought. Mm. I know you've got your list of cast that we're going through, Scott. But I'll just say now that Harvey Keitel stole stole the movie. I reckon. I thought he was the best Ooh. in the movie. Harvey Keitel and also Bruce Willis. I thought they would both stand out for me. Yep. Sorry, if there was too much, Glenn. <laughs> uh, sorry if there was yelling in the back. There's uh, my wife's going crazy. I think I think the Matildas just won or did something good. So, um, yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, Harvey Keitel. So I had I had the four mains. So I had Travolta, Jackson, Willis, Thurman, uh, Uma Thurman, and then I had sort of Walton Keitel because they sort of come in and they sort of steal the movie for that moment. They they're too entrances into the movie do re- they really do take over the screen during as that soon time. as i know we're not going in your order but when no, as soon as you hear harvey Keitel's voice he's just got that authority mm. Um, mm. about him and he's just really good he's really good yeah. yeah i thought he was excellent you're right glenn mm. i don't know about stealing the movie the bloke that i'm going to mention next i think stole the movie i think that's samuel l i yeah i love samuel l jackson he's just outstanding in this movie he was certainly for me the like you know he was engaging one out of the obviously the um, the pair yeah um, of uh, Jules and, and Vincent, um, but yeah like it was kind of it was good his performance was good like it was it was entertaining to watch and um, had a bit of a, an arc whereas I think Vincent was just present a lot for his like um, stuff yeah hmm I and I thought I we we talk about characters having arc. I guess he does in this. Like you look mm. at him in that first set, the first time we sort of see him when they go into that apartment and he just takes over. Like he mm. eats the bloke's hamburger, he drinks the bloke's drink. Like this guy's shitting himself because he's just his force of nature at yep. that moment. And then when he does it, the Ezekiel twenty five seventeen, like that is just awesome. I love it. <laughs> Every time I watch it, it's just so powerful. And you would be shit scared if you heard that. Especially the um, way he says the, it. The gun that is the, what really does it, though. Well, that does help, yeah. Having <laughs> having you, a fairly sizable gun. <laughs> yeah. And having his friend been shot as well. Like, it was like his friend was just shot before. Yeah. Like, and you know, just so nonchalantly, too. Um, mm. But I love Samuel L. in this. And this is probably one of the first movies that I'd really seen him in. And I think he just steals it. The whole movie. He's just excellent. Um, uh, Bruce Willis, Glenn, mm-hmm. do you want to talk about him? Yeah. He again. He, for me, this is probably one of his best movies. Like one of his Ooh. best performances, I think. Because um, it's a real character. No, well, this is a real character. This is a. It felt more. It felt like a real. What about the sixth person? <laughs> oh, I can't remember it. Oh, I think and he wasn't even alive in that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's what he did there. Um, yeah, I thought Bruce. It's for for all the movies I can remember seeing that you know recently. This is easily a standout for him. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I would like he's he's good, but I think he's got better movies. Um. Yeah. I, I think he's probably got better movies, but I think he he may not have. I think his acting in this is excellent. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, um, and 
The other actor I wanted to mention was Marcellus Wallace. Ving Rhames. Rhames. Just his voice. uh, The (laughs) the first time you see his face is when I was like, wow, he's really good. The Zed in the Zed scene, like when they first get captured, when they first... um, yeah, when he's walking across the road, all that all that whole sequence, he was great. Yeah. I thought he was really good. Um, yeah, really good. he does. He looked scary. He, he, just that, just his voice. I just love it. It's just, yes, it's, just, the, just, the, good just how, him. And when he's got that thing in his gag, you know, he's been gagged or whatever, and his face mm, is just ball, like the ball so gag. scared. It's just so the, the fright. This, he's never been out of control before, you know. Like, yeah, he looked so scared. It was really good. Mm. Hmm. Um, and we'll just go Uma Thurman. Yeah, I enjoyed her. I, she was fine. Stunning. Like, I th- she actually, um, I don't know if it's me or if it's what, an actual thing on, in the movie, but she, there's one line where she just, there's a couple actors do it actually. I think John Travolta as well. Just their line, they sort of don't, it's sort of, they don't say it wrong, but they sort of hesitate and they like they forgot their line for it half a second not even half a second but just for a moment they just like pause and it's not natural it's like they're remembering their line there's a couple of scenes um and she does it when she's sitting um at the at the, at the diner at jack rabbit slim she's talking to him and she she says it um when she's talking about her joke i think that she doesn't want to tell her joke and she sort of pauses and she's like it's like I don't want to. T- um, I don't want to tell you. You know, she sort of stops and starts. Anyway, I just thought that was something yeah. that jumped out at me. Anyway, she was fine. <laughs> Other than that, there's a couple yeah, of actors I did in this movie, and I was weird that they didn't do another take. But I thought, probably mm, well, probably because it only cost like eight million dollars. Yeah, so. they probably didn't have time to do it. They're probably trying mm. to get through it as quickly as, as they could. But yeah, she's probably the main female protagonist throughout the movie, although she's not in a, a heap. But, um, yeah, she plays a pretty big role, and I thought she was good. Like, this is the first introduction that I had to Emma Thurman, and, yeah, certainly enjoyed her role. I find her, she was definitely better in Kill Bill. Like, yeah. Like, obviously, more she's the lead, but, yeah, I didn't I didn't really think. And I guess, yeah, again, I agree with that. my yeah. prejudice against pop, pop fiction, like, there just wasn't a lot of meat to the role. Like, you know, she does a great sort of, you know, I guess, hoovering of some cocaine, heroin, mm. and then... You know, gets a needle to her chest. Um, makeup did really well to make her, like, you know, heroin chic right after that. Oh, yeah. Um, the dance was yeah. good. The, yeah, she was I, a good dancer. I, I, yeah, I mean, the dancers, I, I was all right, but it looked, you know, I wasn't thrilled by it. Like, there was nothing kind of like, okay, yeah, I see where all these moves are. It was hilarious. My wife kind of, before I watched it, it's like, oh, you did the, the thing. I'm going, yeah, okay. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Again, I'd agree that Kill Bill, she's better. Yeah. 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 Um, but I guess that's any film where you've got, you know, more to kind of work with and, and that kind of thing. But, mm. um, yeah. I'm going to have to go back and watch Bill, Kill Bill. I haven't watched that for years. Mm. Let's watch and it Kill next Bill week. Too. You never know, <laughs> Glenn. There. You just never know. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Something else. It was really interesting as well. All right. While you think of that, I just want to mention Christopher Walken. He, he pops into the movie and I just think he's just excellent. He does this. Um, I think it's is it true romance? He does it as well. He pops and he does a Sicilian speech. Mm, memory serves. Um, but I, I do, again like we we talk about Ving Rhames' voice. I love Christopher Walken's voice and his deliver, line delivery. Um, Tarantino seems to be able to find these guys that just have this really 
specific sort of line delivery. You know, Christoph Waltz in uh, Django and Inglorious Bastards, and I think you know Walk and Kaitel, these sort of guys in the in Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs for Kaitel as well. So yeah, and just the and monologue. Pirate. I think he just does it so well. Sorry, Glenn. No, I, was, I, just, I remember what I was going to say, which was about that dance scene. Apparently, Uma Thurman said to Quentin, "This song is no good. I don't, I don't think this this isn't a good song for us to have this dance to." And Quentin said to her, "Trust me, it's perfect." <laughs> I think he was right. Um, yeah. Yes. He's got a very good ear for music, Tarantino in his movies. All right. Our favorite scene, Michael. Hmm. Oh, look, I enjoyed the the chase aspect, like the that whole sequence where um. You know, uh, Butch is kind of sneaking back into his into his um, apartment, and I felt there's, there was some real tension there, mm. even though there's like you know, it's just kind of sneaking in. Um, it seemed overdone in some ways because like it really went for a long time just to get to the like you know his place, having parked a whole block away, walking through a block, and then following with a camera. Um, and we get in there, and then finally, like he you know, there's, he's checking around. He's a bit. He's kind of got his watch. He's going, yeah, I'll grab my. Yeah, I'll have Pop a snack tarts. while I'm yeah. here, yeah, whatever. It's like, and like in knowing stage when he's getting his pop tarts out and looking, thinking, "There's like, a, oh shit, there's a big gun on the bench. I'll pick this up. This must be in someone's here." Okay, I'm gonna go now. And he sneaks out. He goes, "Ha! These kids underestimate me, chumps. I'm so cool." And then, you know, and then he's then, um, you know, Ving Rhames with Wallace is right there, like you know. It's unlucky. <laughs> but, I mean, if you just, rather than kind of, I don't know, he, I think he runs over Ving Rams all wrong. Like, you follow, he shouldn't have followed through. He should have just kind of, like, you know, stopped and then broke, like, you know, so he'd fell over, not gone through the intersection properly. Then he would have driven off, gone, <laughs> job done. Mm. Um, anyway, um, see, so yeah, I enjoyed that. And then, of course, then that, that follow-on chase with the, you know, they're on foot and then they got, you know, caught in the, the pawn shop. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Well, it's funny because Vincent was obviously there by himself. Now Jules mm. would normally have been there with him, but Jules has gone to walk the earth. Well, actually, I was reading about that, and it's um apparently yeah, like Jules is wanted off, but it's actually they're in the same like um Marcellus is meant to be staking out the place as well with ah. um, Vincent. Like they're meant to be in the same like you know, they were, but he's gone. I'll go get some breakfast. I don't know. It's not. Really explicitly, I was just reading through some stuff. It's like, oh, yeah. okay, that makes more sense. This is when you read it in chronological order. Mm. Um, and yeah, he's gone off to get breakfast, and um, and then that's when like you know, Butch comes in. The he's the door, but doesn't actually kind of react because he's kind of expecting Marcellus to come back, and it's like, holy crap, you're not Marcellus. Bang, 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 I'm dead. Ah, that um, answers then, my yeah, question. So the, yeah, mm. so, wouldn't he have heard? Yeah, mm. Butch making the pop tarts and all that. Yeah, mm. yeah, that actually so, does. Yeah. Yeah, yep. that was in it. I think it was actually in the, some of the trivia, but I thought, oh, that's too lengthy. Um, so yeah, anyway, that was that was one of, one of my favourite scenes. I think that was kind of yep. that one. And oh no, I forgot it. <laughs> All right, we can come back to you. <laughs> yep. Um, Glenn, um, Michael said all my things. Um, my favourite, I guess, moment is when he's. Uh, which is driving away and Marcellus is crossing the street and they just see each other and then he just puts his foot down. I loved <laughs> that moment as as a moment. And, um, yeah, that whole sequence of going to the apartment 
shooting John Travolta, escaping, and then getting caught at the pawn shop. Up to that that whole that's probably my favorite scene, and also, uh, or maybe my second favorite scene because there's also shooting Marvin in the face. <laughs> that's pretty nice. Um, <laughs> Because it's just so random. It's like real. It is like a real, you know, real life almost. Um, the sort of thing that you don't really see in a movie. The accidental um, mishaps in in these pe- people's lives. Uh, no, it just comes um, from nowhere too. Like you're really not expecting. It. Yeah, that that was a really good scene as well. Uh, I'd never seen anything like it before. So yeah, really funny. Um, I've got a few. I love it when Jules and Vincent, we talked about it before, go to see Brad or Brett, whatever his name is, uh, to get the suitcase. Um, and we get, yeah, Samuel, we get the full Samuel L. Jackson experience where he just goes absolutely nuts. And he's just so intimidating. We talked about it before. And then it finishes with Ezekiel 25 17, which is just awesome. Um, the OD scene, even now, it's, it's shocking to see him like stab the needle into her heart. Um, not that we actually see him stab it, but just that whole sequence about how he just goes nuts. And it even goes right from, you know, back from when they come back from, you know, Jack Rabbit's limbs, you've got Travolta talking to himself because they sort of, him and Mia have that moment. He's going, just have one drink, just leave. And then the next thing, it goes back to him. And he's going, no, no, just go and just exit. Say thank you. I've had a good, enjoyable time and just leave. And then, of course, it comes out. And you don't actually see him react to what's happened to me. You just hear him. Because we're all the all the focus is on Mia, and then the drive, and then yeah, just that moment where they're all cracking at each other in the, none of them are handling it well, and then the stabbing is just awesome. It's mm. just in, in the size actually, of that needle. I was actually hoping that Trudy would just come in and grab it, grab it, and like you know, because I kept mucking around, is like Trudy just bang, but she does nothing. So, yeah. Um, they got a watch monologue again. I reckon it's just a fantastic. Yeah, it's a fantastic three to four minutes. Christopher Walken's just excellent. I agree, Glenn, the shooting of Marvin. And I enjoy the the last scene, that whole last scene in the cafe, which is not a scene, it's more of a sequence and it goes for about 15 minutes so we probably can't put that in. Uh, notable aspects. Michael. Um, yeah, the I think one of the, the coolest ones um, in this film is... Um, and I was sh- it was a shot that I was first made aware of when I was watching um, the video essay channel Every Frame of Painting, um, and then this episode on Snowpiercer, um, which I'd love to get to at some stage because that's actually really some really cool filmmaking in that. Yep. Um, and it's about illustrating choice um, through vision and acting rather than actual kind of trying to talk about choice. Um, and in a film where this, you know, like the dialogue was overly verbose and. Um, you know, and pointless. This was a kind of a genuine moment of acting and, you know, and sort of silence in the sense that you had Bruce Willis, who's about to leave the shop, having, you know, punched the gimp and he's exiting and there's this, the the frame is done nicely and he's he's opened the door and he's kind of a little bit off-centre to the left and he's there and he's he's looking out but then he, like, and he hears the noise and he looks back and, it's, you know, he, yeah, he looks back into the shop and you know he's thinking, and then he and he closes the door, and then you know then he goes and gets his sword, and that was really a, sort of a really nice where we kind of illustrate choice. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So, and I think that's like highlighting, like it was a nice highlight for the, the filmmaking aspect for that, and in a film that very much does have elements of like you know um, low budget filmmaking, um, and you can tell that during some of the sound choices, like you know sort of. There was a lot of reverb in a lot of scenes. Like, um, yeah, the gunshots didn't sound really no. realistic at all. Um, and that'll be like you know, 
eight million dollars like you know that, mm. that doesn't really get you like you know some solid foliata so it's probably on the cheap sort of stuff um and there were a few sound effects like that um but yeah the i forgot what was going with that but um yeah it kind of oh the sound that's right um I guess, like, yeah, it kind of it took away from that kind of intimacy, I guess. And, and I think the one that highlighted the most for me was um, uh, we've got the shot of um, Bruce Willis's Butch in the, the nightclub, um, and it's Ving Rhames talking, and we just, it's him, it's a really long shot. And I'm, yeah. I just wonder if, like, you know, maybe their, their film didn't <laughs> work. They got the sound, and they just kind of started, we'll shoot it from... You know, you know, I've shot all this stuff, and then the film, like you know, the shots back at Ving Rhames didn't work. Who knows? Um, all these kinds of things happens on on cheap productions. Um, but yeah, you can tell it like because you do mainly listening. You could t- you could really hear the kind of the um, how the room is set up. Like you know, in terms of like the microphone wasn't pointed at Ving; it was actually kind of pointed at probably Bruce, but it should have been pointed at Ving, given that he was doing all the dialogue. Um, the it was interesting like you know for like you know a, a filmmaker that where he's like you know music choices is a lot about his like you know his bag there's much like jaws there's a lot of silences and stuff um in this film but it doesn't necessarily kind of help the story like we did we saw it with jaws like the jaws sparse one kind of worked whereas i think sometimes in this you know you just kind of it might have been nice to have something like you know that kind of you know sort of built some more tension or like you know help kind of you know steven spielberg get up and tell the audience how to feel so but it, yeah. it was blank in some places um yeah that's pretty much it that's my thoughts yep glenn um i think the uh most notable aspect that we should mention is the soundtrack yeah um, agreed he's a master of uh dropping music in the right spot um did it well with Reservoir Dogs, did it great with this. Didn't mm. seem to, um, I don't seem to remember how well it's used in his more recent films, but definitely these first two, um, it's it's just really, really well used. Yeah, um, I reckon one of us had the CD. I don't know who. Um, yeah, but yeah, this I definitely did. wasn't me. Yeah, this, but this was like the soundtrack to those few years. Like we used to listen to a lot of... A lot of this and you know back in those days we'd make mixtapes but i remember listening to like little green bag and girl you'll be a woman soon and all these sort of things just on mixtapes on the way to the beach and stuff like this we, we listen to this a lot the other interesting thing in this movie is a lot of the people had their music on these reel-to-reel tape things like you know, yeah. Uma Thurman plays her girl, you be a woman scene off this tape thing. I'm like, where would you even get that? I think that's like, just a that's a style thing that. Um, yeah, and but they're in a few different locations. Like they just all the characters seem to have this stuff. I think Eric Stoltz had one in his house as well. Um, it was just odd that 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 was everywhere. Almost like this was time. Almost like it was like a timeless sort of movie. Like you didn't know when it was set um, because there was nothing showing that really um the style was all you could almost argue that it's old except for did he did have a mobile phone yeah um, a very a very old mobile phone which did give it a time but other than that it, you could argue that this was set in almost even the 70s 80s anything you know mm-hmm. um, yeah yeah well the fashion and the color palette throughout the movie really does allow you to it's not specified yeah. what mm. the era mm. we're in mm. 
I think I think that aspect is mainly him and his kind of nuanced wanting to be hip and cool kind of thing. That's a that's a queer, that's a Tarantinoism, I think. Over anything else. Oh, it's very set decorated. Like just yeah. um, when Eric Stoltz eating his breakfast cereal, and they got it sitting right facing the camera. The whole because they obviously found this great breakfast cereal. Mm-hmm. Lab, you know the the label on it or whatever it looked really just style the style or whatever, and is very set decorated. <laughs> Anything else? Uh, yeah. No, I don't think so. Um, I agree, Glenn. The soundtrack was awesome. As I said, I, we we listened to this a lot back in the day. Um, Michael, I, I think you brought this up. It's really well shot. I love the shot where, where they are at the door and they're, they're at there early and they sort of go, all right, well, let's just go wait over here. And they do, but the camera doesn't move. They move away from it. And I just think it's a really nice point of view. Uh, I think it's really well shot. Like most... It would normally you would go with the characters, but in this case you stay, you stay at the door, and the characters move away. I, I don't know. I just like the way the shot that was shot. Um, we get a long tracking shot of Travolta in the Jack Rabbit Slims, where it basically follows him through the whole venue. So we get the whole we get to see what the whole venue looks like, but it's just one shot following Travolta the whole way, uh, and I enjoyed that. Um, and I think Michael, you were talking about it when with Marcellus talking, but all we see is Butch. So that would be really difficult for Bruce Willis because, I mean, the camera is focusing on him, but he doesn't say anything pretty much the whole mm. scene. But that's, I mean, um, that's how you would shoot it, though. Like you would um, – because often you do – like you you want reaction shots to what like another actor is saying. So you go, all right, we're going to do reaction shots to what Ving's saying. But um, normally you would have Ving on camera oh, as you well. Would, you but would cut back and forth, but yeah. I think that sort of, that sort of builds some – I guess mystery around this guy, that, that and then you, s- and you only see him. The back it, of his head. I think it was a deliberate. I think it was a deliberate thing to just have the back of his head. Oh, absolutely, it would have been. And but did, like, they didn't have the back of his, his head. It just had. It just had butch. It it did go out to the, the back ro- of his head yeah. at one stage because you can see the band aid. Yeah, at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is a which you know is a fan theory. You don't see in his terms face. What's you don't actually see his face later. It's, no, it's actually it's actually just a band-aid. He cut himself shaving. Mm, yeah, that's right. Yeah. But a fan theory is that what's in the suitcase is supposed to be his soul. Yeah, no. And that's where it was cut out. But anyway, yeah. um, we've talked about it before. I really, really love the dialogue and how well written this movie is. The script is excellent. Um, this movie taught me a lot about taking drugs. Like that whole scene when he when he first gets the heroin. <laughs> Which I thought oh, was fair. Glad you got something out of it. Yeah, yeah. no, I did. You know, Thankfully, really, I really, really utilised it. But, um, <laughs> but just, you know, like we talk about gearing up scenes in in sort of movies, like, you know, war movies and stuff. But like here you see, you know, he unzips and he's got his little, it's almost like a little travel bag of, of how he, you know, basically, you know, takes a hit, which I thought was quite interesting. And, you know, 95, never touched drugs or anything like that. Still haven't. But... Um, I thought it was just really interesting the way it was done. I thought it was quite inter- um, quite enjoyable to watch. Uh, it taught me a lot. Um, I still reckon you watch the adrenaline shot that, that the size of the needle and just where he stabs it just looks phenomenal. And then she suddenly they actually filmed it in reverse. They just filmed him starting on her and then going back. Yeah, yes. makes sense. And then yeah, do love a good true photography stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, as we discussed before, you don't actually see a lot of the violence. In it, you don't actually see, you know, you barely mm. see Marcellus being raped. You, you don't see a lot of the viol- anyone really getting shot. Like everyone talks about the violence in this movie, and yes, it on the outside it probably mm. looks like there is, but there's really not. You don't see a lot of the actual violence. You don't see the sword cut. You don't see the stab of the sword. No. Yeah. Yeah. 
questions. You don't quiz. see the boxing. You don't see the boxing match. No, you don't we don't see, see any of that. It's all the other bits that yeah you see. It's yeah. all alluded to, but we never actually really see yeah. it. Yeah. Um, questions, queries, tidbits. I've got a few questions. I got a, I got yeah. a couple of questions. All right, go. Um, would this film still be revered by so many if it was cut in a linear fashion? Um, and I wonder, like, you know, and I do wonder if this film was initially a straightforward narrative and then they decided it was a bit dull, let's cut it out of order. Um, that's probably not, but... Nah, because Tarantino, because Reservoir Dogs was done differently as well, from memory. Hmm. But, yeah, like, it's kind of obviously, you know, it's got a following. Um, but the, yeah, like, if it was just a straight linear film, I don't know if it'd be as revered by many. Well, I don't think it ever was planned to be. So it's a, yeah, I think it yeah, still would. Del- del- I think I, one of the moments I really love in this movie is when Samuel and John are at the diner at the end, and uh, and you're watching them, and you're like, oh, hang on a second, is that is that the place where the robbery is? Mm. And so it's like because the first time you see it, and I'd been so long since I'd seen it, I had that moment again. I was like. Oh, this is the diner from the start. I bet they're about to be robbed, and it yeah. was, and it all comes full circle. And I, I love that. And you, the structure you do, is a you do part catch of them. What's this? What's great about it? Yeah, you do catch. Um, I think there's a hint of Vincent in the, like you know, in that diner scene. Um, like I saw him in a particular shot, and then it was gone. Um, the only thing I don't like about that is that the dialogue that Tim Roth says is different. Yeah. At the start than it is at the end. And it's both too, because mm-hmm. um, Honey Bunny says like her line differently. Yeah. Um, it's like, you know, and it's used in like a, I think like um, a song somewhere as well. Um, but yeah, well, then she kind of. the soundtrack. Yeah. Mm. The, um, and then she, yeah, she said like in, a, in the final sort of scene, like she changes the order. Yeah. Um, it's like, oh, that's annoying. Mm, so, it is. <laughs> it, it is actually annoying. You sort of, it's probably that, a reason for it that I don't understand. Yeah. Or yeah. just continuity error because they only had eight million, eight and a half million to spend. I don't think it's an error. I think it's pretty deliberate. Like you'd fix that if it were, if you wanted it properly, you'd have it proper. Um, have you got more questions? Um, ooh, controversial. Did um, Tarantino have to be so racist? In the film, there's a it's lot of n words, a lot of kind of you know sort of racist diatribes by like you know and what, you know one of them you know they've got sort of Christopher Walken's character and yeah, there's a there's a lot going on mm. with it. It is a lot more racist when you listen to it now than probably what it was probably as racist then too. It's just that now you've got a different context. But <laughs> well, well now I guess you probably notice it more. Mm. It's probably more in you know front of mind. You sort of really do pick it up, but I mean, yeah, I don't know. That's something Anna mentioned when we were watching it as well. But I don't know if it's Quentin being racist or if it's the characters being racist. But yeah, Mm. I think it's probably just an acknowledgement that that's what society is like, and that's the sort of language Mm -hmm. that does get used. Yeah, but I mean, I guess like, does it get used? And this is it's an interesting one. Does it get used because it's Per, you know perpetuated through the media that like of the day like you know we kind of keep using it because it keeps being used in like you know in music and films and it gets being used in society i don't know mm. it's a yeah it's an interesting one hmm. i know he's been pulled up quite a few times for the, the use of the n-word in pretty much all of his movies hmm. um 
But I think Samuel Samuel Jackson, who's in quite a few of his movies, actually has backed him on each occasion and said, "No, it's yeah, it fits within the dialogue." So yeah. And look, you know, um, it's it's interesting. I guess that's the difference between who says it too. Like you know, and like um, Samuel L would say a fair chunk of the eighteen. Yeah, I uh, don't know actually. Um, but I think it's actually like there's quite a few white guys that say it too. Um, mm. but yeah. I don't know. He just delivered a lot of his lines really well, Samuel. Yeah. Well, he's a highlight. <laughs> There's never been a person that could say the words motherfucker with it as good as Samuel L. Mm. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> and probably never will be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, he, 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 this role was written for him. So mm. um, he did it perfectly because it was, yeah, he was his style yeah, already. Was really, literally yeah. written for him, yeah. Because <laughs> he, he auditioned to be um, Tim Roth in, in Reservoir Dogs and didn't get it. Oh. <laughs> But um, yeah, he got this. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, last one is. Oh, did I say why were the title cards? No, I haven't. Why were the title cards inconsistent? Like, they didn't seem. Sometimes there seemed to be one in front of a scene or a sequence, and then sometimes there didn't be. Like, it was like, why aren't there? Why isn't it like consistent through the film? I don't know. I thought that was. If you're gonna put them there, put them there. Or if you, yeah. you know, if you're not gonna put them there, don't put them there. Like, they kind of seemed an inconsistent sort of method to kind of introduce a scene. So, yep. Hmm. Yep, fair call. Glenn, questions, queries, tidbits? Okay. Um, my first question on my list of questions, uh, from the start of the movie, w- wouldn't he use a silencer on his gun? He's shooting all these people shouting, lots of shouting early in the morning in this apartment block. Like, you're going to attract attention to yourself. Mm. It's just weird they didn't use silences. Well, they wanted shotguns. So that would have made, you can't silence with a shotgun. Because so. <laughs> they actually said, usually we'd have shotguns for this sort of thing. Yeah, it's a good question. Just, Why wouldn't you? They didn't really, really need shotguns. They just kind of like needed, <clears throat> I don't know. They can take Same a baseball bat and Butch, still be effective. Same with Butch, uh, when he shot that gun, like, no, oh, that had a silencer? Maybe? That did have, that have a silencer. Yeah, oh, I did. All right. Yeah, but just you know, Samuel is re- attracting a lot of attention with that all that shooting going on, mm. and the other guy shooting. Um, my other question was, what does it mean when Mia says "Don't be a" and then she does a rectangle, like "Don't square. be a rectangle." I think it's supposed no, to be "Don't she, be a square." I know it does, but she she does yes, a rectangle. It does, yeah. But I'm assuming <laughs> it's "Don't be a square." Yeah, that's why she didn't win Best Actress. She can't do a square. Um. Butch um, wiping the gun for Prince, he didn't wipe the trigger. I was like, a bit clumsy. They're going to get your print off the trigger. I'm, I'm glad he um, actually think I thought about wiping. I thought, geez, he's just going to live without wiping the gun here. But he mm. doesn't. He goes back. Yeah, that yeah. was going to be my question until he started doing it. I was like, oh, okay. Um, and he also, he left his keys in his car, apparently, that whole time. He got back in the car and the keys are already in there, which is, you know, that doesn't seem like a very nice neighborhood. Surprised <laughs> his car was still there. Um, my other question was um, when Wolf, um, Winston Wolf says, oh, it's 30 minutes away, 30 minutes away, I'll be there in 10. I just don't think that's that's possible. I just don't think it's. <laughs> that's a funny no, one. Probably not in LA. I would have thought the track. No. Well, like, yeah, that's 10, Mr. 10 Wolf. minutes. That's how cool he is. Cut cut 20 minutes off a, off a drive. No. Oh, like that shorter drive. Actually, what it was, Glenn, is he's like... Um, uh, you know, 30 minutes, I'll be there in 10. They actually cut 20 minutes out of the film, so that's how we got there so quick. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got there in under 10 minutes, 9 mm. minutes and 50-something seconds. Yeah. 
Oh, plus, um, this is probably more if it was set today than when it was set, but um, he lights up, <clears throat> Harvey Keitel lights up a, a cigarette when he's talking to Jimmy in his house and they're talking about the sheets and they're talking about, um, you know, oh, I don't want Bonnie to know any of this is going down and like, she would if someone was lighting up lighting up smokes in my house and I got home I'd be like who's been smoking in here mm. straight away I'd be know there'd been someone in here <laughs> something's nah, been going Jimmy on Jimmy smokes he smokes so he must smoke inside does he mm. Mm. Um, and oh this is another question I had why wouldn't you call Bonnie and or if you if there's no Bulba phones invented yet which you know they seem ninety three or ninety four there's they're not really common yet but. Or call her work and say, hey, can you pick up some stuff on the way home? Or can you do this or that just to delay her a bit, you know, slow her down? you got this dead body. You know, it's a big deal. Yeah. Try, try to slow her down. Just make an excuse. Oh, your sister wants you to visit. Or, I don't know, go somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, and my last thing, it's not a, it's not a question, but it's um, – so Jules, at the end, he's going to go walk the earth and have adventures. He, what's he – Go from place to place and have adventures. And I was thinking, wouldn't that be a good TV series? <laughs> it's like grass. Uh, what is that? The, um, Kung Fu. Kung Fu. Kung Fu. Yeah. Kung Fu. Yeah, yeah, which I think he mm-hmm. says. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, I only had two. <laughs> the obvious one, what's actually in the briefcase? And I think Tarantino said it's just a MacGuffin. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It is a MacGuffin. <laughs> the ultimate. Mm. It's a light bulb but, and a battery and a gold but, reflector. Yeah, but people have said that it's gold. People have said it's Marcel Wallace's soul. I think there's a few other things, but yeah. Um, now, my only other question, is the gimp always kept in the box? That was seems random. Like, <laughs> seems like a very uncomfortable lifestyle for the gimp. Hmm. I don't know. I'd, yeah. That was a bit, yeah. Yeah, free the gimp. That's also. I, I saw a question somewhere that said, what was even the point of having that character? Like, it doesn't do anything like it's just there it's just a bit random it is yeah because he like he was there to try and stop bruce willis from doing something but he was top basically tied tied up up. yeah Mm. anyway maybe it's a whole snm thing that we don't understand all right michael over to you for trivia Ooh, i've been waiting for this Okay, um, Uma Thurman originally turned down the role of Mia Wallace. Quentin Tarantino was so desperate to have her as Mia, he ended up reading her the script over the phone, finally convinced her to take the role. Sounds, that sounds stalkery. Um, Vincent talks about Amsterdam because Quentin Tarantino spent time there writing the script for the movie. Uh, Tarantino purchased a school notebook to write the script, thinking one would be enough. He wound up filling several of them. Uh, the movie only cost $8 million to make, as you said. The initial budget was reported even lower until Bruce Willis was added to the cast. He had a recent string of domestic flops, but it was still a box office draw. Uh, $5 million went to pay the actors and actresses salaries. The film was already profitable when its worldwide rights were sold for $11 million. Again, mainly on the strength of Bruce Willis' performance. It, and as you said, Scott, it grossed $200. Um, the 1964 Chevrolet Malibu, convertible driven by um, Vincent Vega, belonged to writer and director uh, Tarantino, and was stolen during production of the film. In 2013, a police officer saw two kids stripping an older car. He arrested them, and while looking up the owner of the vehicle, he found the VIN had been altered. It turned out that it was Tarantino's stolen car. The owner had recently purchased it and had no idea it was stolen. Mm. Um, <laughs> Ian Thurman did not actually like the song, as Glenn said. Um, oh, I've already died a bit. Stole my, my trivia, Glenn. Um, <laughs> Quentin Tarantino was quoted as saying, the Butch is responsible for keying Vincent's car. 
Mm. In the opening sequence with Honey Bunny and Pumpkin, Jules could be heard talking about quitting the life, and Vincent could be seen entering the bathroom. Um, mm. In the chronologically, the last scene of the movie is Butch and uh, Fabine riding away on the chopper. The first sound you can hear in the movie is the same chopper's engine. Hmm. There you go. Yeah, that can't be that can't be right though, because so you, you whilst you see the chopper, it's not actually the the chopper kind of at that moment, because that would mean Vincent is dead. Um, mm. Vincent Vega is the only character who is present in every segment of the film. Vincent Vega and Marcellus Wallace's wife, the gold watch, the Bonnie situation, and the diner. Um, something bad happened every time Vincent went to the bathroom. Um, and always with a Pulp Fiction book to read, which upon his exiting involved him, Mia overdosing, Pumpkin and Honey Bunny robbing the restaurant, and Butch shooting him. Um, towards the end of the film, Jules says he wants to retire and become a drifter. In Kill Bill Volume 2, Samuel Jackson turned up as Rufus, a piano-playing drifter. Well, that's the most obvious leap then, isn't it? <laughs> um, a scene removed from the final film involved Jules trying to consider what to do while Pumpkin and Honey Bunny rob the diner. In the scene, Jules points his gun at the bottom of the table and fires up, hitting um, Pumpkin twice, killing, uh, hitting and um, Pumpkin and killing him. Then spins around and shoots Honey Bunny three times, killing her. As she falls, her gun goes off and hits the long-haired yuppie scum who dies screaming on the floor. The scene cuts back to Jules taking, talking to Pumpkin in the diner, revealing the shootings to happen entirely in his head. Um, now, here's an interesting one. In the miracle scene, when Jules and Vincent um, kill the kid, they look at, straight at the camera, indicating it's the kid's point of view. Three bullets holes can be seen above Jules' shoulder, but as, it t- as he turns to look at the wall, we can see that three other shots uh, should have hit him in the chest, suggesting it was indeed a miracle. However, some viewers, and I clock this, pointed out that just before the kid fires, you can already see bullet holes in the wall, mm. suggesting they were already there and the kid had inadvertently fired blanks. What complicates matters is an apparent continuity error. When Jules and Vincent enter the apartment at the beginning of the scene, the wall behind them is completely free of holes. They suddenly appear just after Jules and Vincent have killed Brett, but before the kid shoots them. So what really happened is up to the viewer's interpretation. Yeah. Um, Vincent leaves the diner with a book he reads while on the toilet and is visible when he gets shot in Butcher's apartment. Uh, Butcher's in the character is the character who kills the most people in the movie. Ironically, of all the characters who kill someone in the movie, he's the only one who isn't a professional murderer. Um, Jules remarked that Marcellus Wallace don't like to be fucked by anyone but Mrs. Wallace, foreshadowing his later scene with Zed. Uh, Marcellus also demonstrated what happens to those who break his rule. Um, Achillian's red neon sign at the pawn shop is uh, partially lit. It reads, Kill Ed. A few seconds before you see Butch picking up Zed's keys where the Z is on the chain, put it together and it says kill Zed. Hmm. Um, Mia and Vincent are seen celebrating the trophy later the night of the twist contest. However, later in the film when Butch takes the shortcut to his apartment a report of the trophy being stolen can be heard being read on the radio. Hence, actually they have not won the trophy but have stolen it. And that's it. Unless you've got, you guys have got more? Nope. Um, nope Quentin apparently had intended my Sharona to be playing when um, the GIMP, during the GIMP torture scene. But the rights had already gone to Reality Bites. Mm. Um, Daniel Day-Lewis uh, wanted the role of Vincent Vega, but Quentin turned him down for John Travolta. Ooh. I wonder if he'd been better. Um, Would have been a different movie. Some of, mm. 
Some of the scenes of Jimmy were directed by an uncredited Robert Rodriguez. Mm. It does speak to their partnership over time, doesn't it? Like, you know, they they do actually have a, like, a ongoing thing. Um, yeah, because did they they did till dust from dust till dawn. Yeah, together? well, I think it was Rodriguez's film, and and um, Quinton was in it. He gets murdered. Um, this is a. I found this page because I googled this because I saw uh, during all the scenes at Mia's place, um, the door the door was open in the background slightly, and and I was like, why is that door open? They've left the door open when they were out. The doors open every shot. And I was like, is it? And we went back and watched it. And I noticed, yeah, the door is like slightly ajar. And then I was like, I'm pretty sure it's because the camera isn't reflected in the glass. Otherwise, if it was shut, you'd see the camera. And I Googled it and it was, yes, mm. the um, reason the door is open is so the camera wouldn't be reflected in the glass, which is interesting. Um, there's heaps here. I'm not going to scroll through all this. We'll move on. Mm. Yep. All right. No problems. All right. Uh, final thoughts and rating. Obviously, we do rate out of 10. 10 being a fantastic movie, 0 being a terrible movie, and 5 being somewhere in between. Glenn, I'll leave you to last since you chose this movie. Michael, what do you rate well, on fiction? Indeed. Um, oh, this, like, for me, um, I agree with you, Scott. Like, this is one of the few times that where a film should definitely be under two hours, possibly even shorter. Um this felt like nap fiction. Um, I I fell asleep somewhere. Um, I got distracted. I read a book. Um, I did something else. Um, it was it was very much style over substance. And you know, whilst it has interesting conversations, actual kind of plot and story are not they're pretty thin on the ground. Um, and whilst there's some interesting filmmaking going on there, I did not enjoy it. It's definitely better than Knock Knock um, at a four point five. Oh, I don't think it's very fair to rate something you had a snooze through and read a book <laughs> watching. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I reckon that, I'll, that's, is that related to write, that? <laughs> I've rated a few of your movies like that, Glenn, and I reckon I've maybe not read a book, but I reckon I've gone to my phone a few times. Uh, no, that's fine. It's, mm. it's, everybody's allowed their opinion. Yeah, um, and, I, and I've said, you know, Pulp Fiction is not my film. I've never no. been a fan. So No, that's I'm fair gonna enough. St- I'm going to stop being nice too. <laughs> Uh, for me, this is a nine. I just think it's a brilliant film. Having not watched it for quite a while and then going back to it, I was curious as to whether it did hold up. And for me, it did. It is probably a little long, Michael, a little I will long. agree. <laughs> I reckon you probably could have taken out the whole Fabian sequence and, and reworked that. Mm. I don't think you really needed her. She was a bit annoying. Yep. Um, there's a few, and there's, me, there's a lot of bits like that. You so, should see the scenes that were taken out. They were very long. Oh, yeah. I watched some deleted scenes yesterday. It's very long. <laughs> um, it's really well written. It's well put together. I think it's well shot, which we've discussed. It's got everything. It's got some good humour. It's got some good action. And, yeah, I think I disagree, Michael. I think the story and everything else is really good. Um, and I think, yeah, it's one of Tarantino's best films. Maybe not his best. Um, he has got quite a few good films. But I think this is certainly up there in the top two or three. Um, so for me, yeah, it's a nine. Glenn? Um, yeah, I agree with a lot of what you say. I love this movie. Um, I didn't think it was too long, though. I don't agree with that. I think it, I think it went fast. It felt faster than the time running time. Um, I feel like it was a little bit slow. Um, the diner sequence with um, the Jack Rabbit Slim sequence, the 
dancing and the uh, having the milkshake and the talk about her pilot, things like that. I thought that dra- that it's only probably that moment I felt a little bit bored, but then after that, I thought it moved pretty well. I thought it kept a pretty good pace. I was engaged yep. all through the overdose onwards. Um, yeah, quite enjoyed it. I loved the structure. Um, I loved the writing, um, obviously, um, the highlight for me, and yeah, the soundtrack as well. And um, one of probably my top 20 films or something, I don't know. But I, I give this, actually, maybe it's not in my top 20 because it's only 8.5. <laughs> but yeah, 8.5 out of 10 for me. 8.5 for Glenn. So with a 9, a 4.5, and an 8.5, that gives us a total score of 22. Um, you know, that would be, make it... that'd be like top five in last season. <laughs> well, no. No, hang on. <laughs> top, 20, top, 20, top seven. 20, 22. I, can't, I, I got rid of all their rankings. Uh, no, it, it's, I don't think it would be. Oh, well, there you go. I mean, that 23 area was very packed, I suppose. Yeah, well, look, yeah, there's a few <laughs> ahead of it. Would have been a few ahead of it. But anyway, it makes us out. It makes it it does make it our number one it would, film. It would so come far. in at thirteenth. It would come in at equal thirteenth. Oh, there, there you go. go. Um so <laughs> this is number one so far. This is the best film we've done so far. So, and, based on current ratings. Okay. Out of out of two. Michael. Oh, yeah. out, of, <laughs> out of total recall and pop fiction. Yeah. This is number one. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. All right. Socials. Uh, obviously, we can be found at cinematicleap.com. We're on Twitter. Our handle is at cinematicleap. And we're on Facebook, Cinematic Leap. We're on, what's that other one we're on, Glenn? Oh, threads. Threads. Yeah, is it threads? Yeah. The yeah, internet. We're on, there. we're on the internet. I think it's cinematic.leap. We're on there. Yeah. Uh, obviously, oh, we- technically Instagram as well, but we don't use it. Because uh, <laughs> we, we, we don't do pictures. No. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Same thing. Um, yeah, obviously we can be found everywhere where you find your podcasts. Uh, we do ask that you rate and review us, hopefully nicely, uh, and share because we would like other people to find us. Um, over to you, Michael. It's now time for our... Cinematic Leap. All right. So, Michael, you get to choose the leap up this week. Glenn, you get to have a bit of a sit down and I get to choose the movie. So I'm curious as Hopefully, to where you're going to um, go, Michael, because I haven't looked. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is a good movie, if you like a nice nice movie. Yeah, I'm not sure if you – yeah, no. Um, and look, I haven't seen it, so maybe – but it's it's got no, two I'm things not, going – I'm not talking to you. <laughs> I'm talking about – you're the leaper, you're not the leaper. Yeah, movie, but know? I guess, like, I mean, I'm not going to set you up for that because I've got two things going against it, and that's got Leo DiCaprio, just not a fan, and Quentin Tarantino. So – But Brad, Brad Pitt cancels him out. Oh, so, Pete, like, yeah. you're not wrong. And – and Margot Robbie. Yeah. Anyway, um, mm-hmm. so it was for me. It was between two um, standout Samuel Jackson. And I thought, oh, that's a, you know a potential. But I think, and I and I've got to go with my heart here. This is the best possibility of getting to Piranhas. Uh, Ving Rhames. <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to pick it. But it's the closest I'm going to get. So. Well, Michael could go to Guardians of the Galaxy. He could go to the Guardians of the Galaxy, Scott, and that would be an entertaining yeah. film. I'm not going to. But no, cool. I figured there'd be a couple of others in there that you would actually pick over that. Oh. Let's do Pulp Fiction again. Hard pass. Mm. Well, oh, geez, because we could go to the Mission Impossible films, mm-hmm. so they'd be fun. Yep. I do enjoy that. Mm-hmm. I thought you'd like those. Oh, Dave. We, Dave's Dave. That's a classic. We, we could finally do our, our the missing, the famous missing podcast of Con Air. Mm-hmm. The OG podcast, so we could go back. Yes, we could do that. 
That'd be good because I've already got my notes for that. But so, piranha. Oh, that <laughs> We're not doing piranha. Um, oh man, Daughter of the Dead. I haven't seen it. Oh, it's a you know classic zombie. Well, it's a, a sorry reimagining of the the classic zombie. It's a modernisation of that. Um, yeah, it's entertaining. A lot of zombies. Oh, he's, in, he's in another movie, Zombie Apocalypse. That's probably not as good. Surrogates. Mm. That's an interesting film. Haven't seen it. Can't say I've seen that. That's a sci-fi. Piranha. Piranha would be funny. That's mm. a terrible movie. That'd oh, be, a be really, hilarious to watch. Be a really fun watch. Yep. Yeah, it's got some good people to. Oh, Christopher Lloyd. Exactly. We can get back to the Back to the Future. Oh, Richard Dreyfuss. Jeez, I tell you what. Piranha. I reckon Dawn of the Dead or da- or Dave. Dawn of the Dead or Dave. Piranha. No, I think we're going to go. Piranha. No. We're... <laughs> Uh, no, we're not going to go Piranha. We're no. going to go a movie which I've seen a couple of times and I've really enjoyed it. It's a Steven Soderbergh movie. And we're going to go to Out of Sight. Yep. Oh, okay. George oh. Clooney, uh, Jennifer Lopez, Ving Rhames, Don Cheadle, Steve Zahn, Dennis Farina, Catherine Keener. It's got some very good people that we can jump from. Uh, Louis Guzman is also in it. So, yeah, we're going to do mm. that. We're going to go to Out of Sight. Out of Sight. Giving up the opportunity to do Piranha and Piranha 3 Double D. Yes. And yes, yeah. happily. Michael? <laughs> Mission Impossible. Oh, it has Patty, Patty Lauren playing uncredited bank patron. Oh, you get your I eyes off that, that uncredited people, Glenn. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, people. So, yes, obviously, next time you listen to us, we will be reviewing the movie Out of Sight. Actually, shit, I really should have checked to see what that was, if it's on the streaming service. <laughs> Too late um, Yeah, it's right. Samuel, Samuel, Samuel Jackson uncredited in this too. Oh, is he? <laughs> yeah. Oh, Michael, you see, you could have gone You could have gone to him. I know I could have, but I chose I not to. Loved to go. I would have loved to have gone. That's who I was hoping you'd go. I know. But anyway, we're going out of sight. Hmm. So <laughs> next time you listen to us, people, we're reviewing the movie Out of Sight. Thank you all for listening. Take the Chevy to the living. And like that, he's gone. In case I don't see ya. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. Cinematic Leap.